Welcome to the Trinity Church Aberdeen podcast, where you can listen to our most recent sermons. To find out more about who we are and what we believe, visit trinityaberdeen.org.uk. Well, we come together this morning to the very last chapter of the book of Acts. This is our last uh, look at this wonderful book, our last sermon on it, Acts chapter 28. You'll find it on page 7 in the order of service if you're using that. Acts chapter 28. I'll read it for us. After we were brought safely through... We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul, however, shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But when they had waited a long time and so no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us. And entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed. And putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. After three months, we set sail in a ship that had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria, with the twin gods as a figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed there for three days. And from there, we made a circuit and arrived at Regium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and on the second day, we came to Petuli. There we found brothers and were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as the forum of Apius and the three taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. And when we came into Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. After three days, he called together the local leaders of the Jews. And when they had gathered, he said to them, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, though I had no charge to bring against my nation. For this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain. 
And they said to him, We have received no letters from Judea about you. None of the brothers coming here has reported or spoken any evil about you. But we desire to hear from you what your views are. For with regard to this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. When they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. From morning till evening, he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement, quoting from the book of Isaiah, the Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people, say to them, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart, your hearts have grown dull. And with their eyes, they can barely hear and their, their eyes, they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, because of this, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Amen. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in all Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That was the beginning of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And today, friends, today it ends. And here is how it ends. Verse 28. The salvation of God has been sent to where? The ends of the earth. The Gentiles. Paul lived in Rome two whole years proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus. See, see what Luke wants to say to us as we finish, finish this, this great book, not just the book of Acts, but Luke's gospel. Acts is part two. Luke's gospel is part one. See what Luke wants to say to us as, as we finish the story of the world and the story of the gospel is that God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. You will be my witnesses. To the ends of the earth, what he says he will do, he does. What what does Acts begin with? The opening verses, Acts chapter 1. The Lord Jesus speaking about the kingdom of God to his disciples after the resurrection. What does Acts end with? Verse 23. Paul speaking about the kingdom of God. Verse 31. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. This is one big story, isn't it? From the opening verses to the end of God extending his kingdom outwards and outwards to the ends of the earth with the Lord Jesus Christ as king. And so I want us to finish together today looking at this book with two very simple, clear lessons from these closing verses. Two things to take with you as you leave 
today. If you remember nothing else about the book of Acts, take these two things with you. They kind of summarize everything that we've seen as we look at it. Number one, don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really like. Don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really like. And number two, don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really about. Don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really about. Point number one, what is the pattern to life in the kingdom? If you are a believer, what is life with Jesus going to be like? And number two, what is right at the heart of it? What is the essence of life in the kingdom? Maybe you know today exactly the answer already to both of those things. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've forgotten what the heart of life with Jesus is. I think Christian people, we, we, we so often forget, don't we? We easily forget. And Luke wants us to leave today with this ringing in our ears and resounding in our hearts. So number one, don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really like. Friends, I want you to notice how this book ends. It ends with a closed door and an open door. Did you see that as we read? A closed door and an open door. It is a closed door for the gospel with the Jews. And it is an open door for the gospel with Gentiles. Isn't that right? Again and again and again. What have we seen? Paul's main opposition comes from his own people. The people he grew up with. The people who he treasured the scriptures with. They are his most ardent opponents. And his most receptive audience are outsiders, Gentiles. I think in Acts chapter 8, that is why we have these opening verses, these opening stories about the people of Malta, the Gentiles. They treat Paul kindly. They treat Paul well. They honor him. They treat him with respect and receptive listening. But sandwiched in between is the opposition and disbelief of the very people who should have welcomed their Messiah with open arms. They sent him to a Roman cross to die. They should have listened to Paul, but they didn't. Look at verse 24. Some were convinced by what he said. These are people who have just sat, look at verse 23, just sat with an open Bible. Paul tries to convince them from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Imagine him saying, let's turn to Genesis. Now let's turn to Deuteronomy. Let's turn to Isaiah, to Malachi. And they close the Bible. No. Some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved and disagreeing among themselves. They departed from Paul. So I want us to look together at this strange statement Paul makes. You see it in verse 25. As people get up and leave, imagine that in a church service if half of you got up and left. And as you're heading out the door, before you make it out the door, the preacher calls after you. Verse 25. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, you will indeed hear but never understand. See, friends, here is what life in God's kingdom is really like. 
Don't forget this, Luke is saying to us. As you finish, as you read this amazing story of the gospel going out to the ends of the earth, here is Paul one last time with God's people. And this is what life with God's people is really like. There is always division and always disappointment. Always division and always disappointment. If that's, if you're, you're writing it down, life in God's kingdom, what is it really like? Two D's, division and disappointment. Do you expect that as we finish a book like Acts? What do you expect to see here? To see everybody fall before Paul? What do you expect in your own life? Life in God's kingdom, Luke says, means living with a divided response to Jesus. That's what it means. It's what it always means. Luke wrote the book of Acts. He wrote Luke's gospel. Do you remember how he opens his gospel? Who do we meet? Simeon in the temple, the old faithful Simeon holding baby Jesus in his arms. Probably over Christmas we'll come to those verses. You'll, you'll, you'll see them again. Christmas verses. This child in Simeon's arms. What does he say? This child will cause many to fall and many to rise. Many to fall and many to rise. In other words, Simeon says, this baby will be a signpost that splits the world in two. He will divide. One Bible, one word, one preacher, one sowing of the seed, divided results. That is what life in God's kingdom is always like. What do you expect to happen here at Trinity week by week as we open the Bible, as we hear the gospel preached, as you share the gospel with your friends from here? Preach the gospel, teach the gospel in a church, share it in a staff room with three different people and experience total acceptance and widespread acclaim. Preach the gospel in a church family and have every single person rise up and with one voice bless you for it and to thank God for his word. Have that happen to you. And Luke would say to us here, Paul would say to us, the Lord Jesus would say to us, I think you need to go back to the drawing board. Check what it is you're actually preaching and teaching and sharing. Are you speaking the word of God? For the word of God sowed out into the world does not grow an undivided harvest. It's amazing, isn't it? It's the exact opposite of what we expect. Paul is saying to these people here, look, the way that you're treating me, do you remember God sent his prophet Isaiah? God sent the Lord Jesus. God sent Paul. And each time Paul is saying, God sends his prophets to his people who have had the word of God again and again and again. Sometimes God sends them to say to those people, God is taking away your ability to see and to hear. Just look at those incredible verses from Isaiah, verse 26. As I read them again, try and get your head around them. Go to this people and say, you will indeed hear, 
but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. Why? For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart. If they would do that and turn, I would heal them. See, look at the command in verse 26. Go, God is sending the prophet, the preacher to say this. Can you imagine for a moment if if President Trump, we can still call him that, I think, can't we, for a little bit longer. President Trump, imagine President Trump says to his Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, I want you to go to Britain next week, and here's what I want you to say to them. He hands Pompeo the presidential dossier. And then he says, now I want you to understand, Mike, as you go and as you speak, I want you to understand they are going to hate every single word that you speak. They will hear your words, but they will not understand them. They will see you and what you're saying, but they will not perceive the meaning. And so much so that as you go in your dossier, you'll find that's what I actually want you to say to them. I want you to say to them, You have become so stubborn and pig-headed and heartless. It's like there are thick layers of dead skin encasing your your hearts. That's verse 27, isn't it? There is thick layers of dead skin around your heart. You are incapable of hearing and understanding what I am about to say to you. Happy trip. All the best as you go and speak. This is a pronouncement from God of what is going to be true as the gospel is preached. The very preaching itself, Luke is showing us here, Isaiah is showing us, the very preaching itself is the means that God uses to give people over to what it is they have chosen. Verse 27, for this people's heart has grown grown dull. See how it works? Your heart becomes hard. You yourself stop listening, or the end of verse 27, you you close your eyes, and because that is what you choose, because that is what you want, that is why God says, so it shall be. So it will always be. People choose to ignore, they choose to be blind, they choose to be deaf, and God gives them what they want. A little toddler sits playing with a shape sorter. Have you seen them? Those little boxes with squares, triangles, circles all around the sides. And the child holds in one hand the wooden circle. And of course, it's obvious, isn't it? Where does the wooden circle go in the hand? It goes through the circle on the side of the box. You slot it in. And the toddler sits there pushing and pushing and pushing the circle over the triangle-shaped hole. And it just won't go. But this is the hole I want. This is the one I want to get it through. And they push and push, and the parent comes along. Here, let me help you. Turns the box around, guides the hand over the circular hole. The toddler flips it back to the triangle. This is the one I want. Only this hole, this hole only will do. 
parent tries again. Listen to me, not, not that one, this one. Try, try it this way. Give it a go. See if it works. And the child is now banging, banging the side of the square box with rage. And there comes a point, doesn't there, where the parent says, okay, you keep going. You'll never get it in that way, but it, if it's what you want, off you go. Try it. You and I sit here today, friends, brothers and sisters, we sit here today, don't we, with the gospel in our ears and in front of our eyes. And we are here because when some people do not listen, what does God do? He sends his prophet elsewhere. God's salvation, verse 28, that closed door, those blind eyes, that hard heart sends me somewhere else. Therefore, let it be known to you. This salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. We, we are Gentiles. We are here today because of the hardness of heart of others. That is how we got the gospel. Because God gives people what they want, but it does not mean that God will not get what he wants. What does God want? People from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth in his family. That's what God wants. But this is here as a warning to us, isn't it? An object lesson that this is what life in God's kingdom is always like. There is always, always, always so much seed scattered. Thrown out there. You know, I was talking to somebody this week uh, who has a a professional job, and he was telling me that he uses Instagram to put out his message. Day after day, he puts out posts with all his expertise, all the knowledge he's gained over the years, puts it out there freely for people to access. One comment, two comments, three, maybe at most. He, He said to me, I put it out every single day, and I have no idea what difference it makes. And immediately I said to him, welcome to preaching. Isn't it true? Exactly what preaching is like. Not, not just preaching, but house groups, student suppers, mums and toddlers, Thursday group, all the different ways in which the Bible is opened and scattering and scattering and scattering. And every single time, divided response. Divided response. Maybe you just need to know that today. Maybe that's news to you. Life with you, Lord Jesus, like that? No, surely it shouldn't be like that. Surely people should be flocking. Churches all over our city, the church that you've come from, churches all over our nation, maybe all you can ever see as you look at it is disappointment, division. Friends, don't forget where that comes from. Don't forget what it is that causes it. When God sends his word to his people, to his own people, the results are always mixed, always. For people stop listening all the time. People plug their ears in a hundred different ways all the time. Some of you in our church family, you know the Norgate family, Jonathan and Zoe. Norgate, wonderful young couple who went off years ago to be uh, missionaries in Cambodia. Some of you will remember this. They wrote back to us years ago. They're now home, back from Cambodia in Sheffield, living in Sheffield. 
And several years ago, they wrote back to us and to all their supporters that their own personal taste of the words of Isaiah the prophet, Paul's words here. Here's what they said. I think we have both been feeling recently how small our efforts are here, how insignificant it all seems. Language process seems so slow. We are feeling still so out of depth in the culture. We are tired all the time. And we're wondering how the Lord could possibly be working in and through us. Big missionary send-off. Lots of prayer, lots of encouragement, lots of joy. Launching a couple like this out into the world. And then the smallness of the seed that they hold in their hand becomes almost unbearable to them. So insignificant. Life in God's kingdom is like this. It is disappointing often. Divided. So, is all lost? No. No, all is not lost. Number two, don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really about. Don't forget what life in God's kingdom is really all about. Did you know, friends, that today as you sit here, over 18 million Anglicans will worship today in Nigeria alone. 18 million in Niger- one country alone. Where does it come from? How does that happen? God takes Abraham, one man, and says to Abraham, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And who have we got here today in this room? Who will come through these doors today, these weeks How many different nations represented? How many gather in this city? From tiny, tiny acorns in Jesus' kingdom, friends, mighty oaks can grow. Do you believe that? Do you know it's true? For here is what Luke says to us as he finished. There is one thing needed to make that happen, only one. It is incredibly encouraging and incredibly simple. Verse 28 Let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. It's the opposite of verses 26 and 27, isn't it? They will listen. Paul lived in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. See, Luke finishes this book saying to us, I want you to know that Jesus is alive, reigning from heaven, and he is still filling the earth with his word. Exactly what Adam and Eve were meant to do, exactly what God did again with Abraham, filling the earth with his word. And Acts comes to an end, Acts chapter 28, but what will happen next? Some of you will know it's why there is... Uh, a modern church planting movement called Acts 29. Acts 29 churches all over the world. This book has 28 chapters, but the story is still going. It is not finished. Because, well, look at those verbs. Listen, verse 28, proclaiming and teaching. 
Friends, here is a wonderful, simple, glorious truth to get hold of today. Get hold of this with both hands if you can. Life in God's kingdom is really all about listening. Listening. Hearing God's word and then lashing yourself to that word. Using that word as your north star, your guiding light, your fixed point. It means taking that word. What what did Moses say to us? Tie that word to your wrist. Write it on your forehead if you have to. King David says in the Psalms, it means taking that word and drinking it in like wine and honey. The prophet Ezekiel says it means taking that word and eating it whole, digesting it, putting it down into your system. Let it be the granite under your feet that you stand on and never ever move from it all your days. Life in God's kingdom requires a listening ear. You know best, Lord, not me. You know best, not me. What you say, Lord Jesus, your words, your words are sat now for my soul, nothing else. Do you know that today? That is all you need for life with Jesus as you leave, a listening ear. I don't know if you remember way back when we started uh, the book of Acts, 1975 or something like that. When we began the first sermon, I told you in that first sermon about significant departures from the faith that had just happened. They were were all in the news, Christian news. A man called Josh Harris in America who'd written uh, books, been very influential. A man called Marty Sampson, uh, a worship leader with Hillsongs. And I wonder where we are 18 months later. Significant departures from the faith get all the attention, don't they? But drift from Jesus happens slowly, almost imperceptibly. Unknown to us, lockdown was ahead of us. And for many of us, if we're honest, lockdown has been a time of drift, hasn't it? A time of wondering, doubts are growing. When those significant departures from the faith happened, uh, the best thing that I read, you may remember, the best thing I read came from a man called John Cooper, who's actually a a singer in a rock band called Skillet. Never heard of him, never heard of them. Here's what John Cooper said in response to these famous, if you like, Christian celebrities wandering off. Here's what he said. We must stop making worship leaders and thought leaders or influencers or cool people or relevant people. We must stop making them the most influential people in Christendom. And yes, he says that includes people like him. It is time, he says, for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the word and to value the teaching of the word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion. And what we are seeing now is the result of the church raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, who have led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of truth. And now those disavowed leaders are proudly still leading and influencing boldly away from the truth. 
brothers and sisters in the faith all around the world, pastors, teachers, worship leaders, influencers, I implore you, please, please, in your search for the relevancy of the gospel, let us not find creative ways to shape God's word into the image of our culture by stifling inconvenient truths. But rather let us hold on even tighter to the anchor of the living word of God. It's true, isn't it? Do you know that the cardinal sin of the people of God, what is the cardinal sin all the way through the scriptures? Why does God send Isaiah? Why do the prophets go? The cardinal sin of the people of God is to possess the word of God and to ignore it. To have it and not read it, to hear it and not understand it, to close our eyes and ears. This is what life in God's kingdom is really all about, isn't it? Luke couldn't be clearer as he finishes. Do you know, if you go go home today and look online, check the papers, you'll find stories Today, two, is it two weeks, three weeks into the full lockdown in England? It's why you will find stories in the paper today about why some churches this time round in these four weeks of lockdown have refused to close. And do you know why they're doing it? Why, why some churches are saying, we hear what the government is saying, but this time, no, our, our doors are staying open. Now, amongst us, we'll all have different opinions about that, of course, won't we? But do you know why some churches are doing it? Because the government is explicitly saying you are allowed to stay open for food banks, mercy ministries, hospitality. We, we will decide about you what is essential. And you can stay open for those things, but preaching and teaching, no, not essential. Some church leaders have said, you know what, this is the cardinal temptation of God's people in every generation to put something else that we do as a church front and center rather than preaching and teaching. And unless we fight to protect it as central, nobody else will come along and encourage us to keep it central. You know, I've said often, haven't I, here in this building, this new building that we're about to use, what is one of the greatest dangers and temptations with this building? It is every other room in here apart from this one. A famous minister in, in Aberdeen years ago, William Still at Gilkinston, said that the birth of the church hall is often the death of the church. Because everything else is easy to do. Everything else gets attraction. Everything else gets the sign up. Everybody wants to come along to do all the other things. But to keep the Bible open to keep preaching and teaching into the prevailing headwinds of opposition and difficulty. Oh, it is hard, it is tough, it is difficult. Luke is saying, if you want to know what God is doing in the world, as my book ends, as Paul reaches the ends of the earth, if you want to know where God is active, where Jesus is doing things, changing people, look for where the Bible is being proclaimed. Where are you with that today, friends? That's the question for me, isn't it? For you. Is this a year of more and more 
listening or slowly less and less listening. Luke is ending this saying to us, life in God's kingdom is really all about listening to the Lord Jesus as he spreads his gospel through the ends of the earth. And so this ending says to us, friends, wherever you are today, whatever you've brought with you today in terms of joy or sorrow or perplexity, Luke says to us, there are more chapters in God's story than have yet been written. It is not over. Friends, abandon your despair today about the gospel. Abandon it. Put it off to the side. Abandon your despair about your nation, whatever nation you're from. Jesus isn't finished yet. Maybe the Lord Jesus is only really just getting started in the world. What what do people say all the time? It's so hard to be a Christian today. Our our government is anti-Christian or post-Christian. And Luke says, look, staple the book of Acts to your faith. Staple the book of Acts to it. Where the the first believers were a despised sect. That's what the word in our passage is, isn't it? This sect, verse 22, a minority group, easy to persecute, easy to brutalize, easy to discriminate against. And what did they do? Through their blood, the church grew. Maybe that's what the Lord Jesus is going to do again today with us. Maybe Christendom here in the West where we are, maybe it will become a tiny flickering light as the gospel begins to burn brighter and brighter and brighter in the majority world. Maybe it will burn brightest in China in the years to come. Maybe from there it will overflow back to us to the ends of the earth. One day the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the seas. Brothers and sisters, do you see what Luke is doing? Taking us by the hand as he finishes his work and says to us, learn to tie your story to Jesus's story. Learn to tie your story to Jesus's story. He is not finished with his world. And I want to say to each of us today, to you individually, he is not finished with you. Older people, I know getting old is very tough. And the chapters in your story don't seem to have many happy endings, do they? Age is stealing away the warm glow of old friends, familiar customs, long-held hopes. Clouds are gathering and they don't seem to clear. But Act says Jesus is continuing to teach and he will be with you to the very end of the age. I guess in a room like this, some of us are battling something, aren't we? A a recurring sin, a, a frustration, a problem. And you're asking yourself, I don't think I'm any different than when the book of Acts started in Trinity. Am I growing? Am I changing? I I read a wise pastor in his seventies. He said this, he said, I have dealt with more people. I'm, I'm not sure if this is true, but it is close. I have dealt with more people who are ready to give up their Christian faith precisely because of the slowness of their sanctification rather than because of physical harm that's been brought to them or hurt them that's come into their life. They are just simply tired. Acts says to us, Jesus isn't finished yet. 
We need to give ourselves to what Horatius Bonar calls daily littles. The Christian life is a great thing, one of the greatest things on earth, but it is made up of daily littles, daily Bible, daily prayer, daily witnessing, daily giving, daily sacrificing, daily serving, one more little step. Friends, that is how the gospel grows. That is how the kingdom expands. Some of us are younger, aren't we? Energetic, engaged in life. There's joyful work all around for us to do. Luke says, have you tied your story to Jesus's story? For one day, the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of his Christ. Jesus's kingdoms. Make sure the kingdom you're building is Christ's kingdom more than your own. Luke is finishing, isn't he, saying there is only one star of the show. Whose story are you telling with your life? Kevin DeYoung, pastor in America, says, if in your ministry you are the star of the show, you are putting on the wrong show. I want to finish with this. Do you remember what I said right at the start? Trinity Church... Well, in a couple of weeks' time, we are, we are nine years old. 4th of December, 2011, was our first Sunday together. The book of Acts, as we finish, says, Trinity Church, we do not really have a story. Now, of course we have a story. We know nine years ago, hotel, building, what's going to happen in the future. We, we know all that, don't we? But Acts is saying to us, there is only one story. The story of what Jesus is doing in the world. We have a small part on the stage, off to the side somewhere, a short period of time. And then our curtain will fall and other people will take our place. And Jesus will keep writing his story. Filling the earth with his gospel until the ends of time. Keep listening, friends. Keep listening. Keep proclaiming. Keep sharing. Keep speaking. May God help us to do it until the very end, until he comes again. Amen.